Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Cabin Devils. My name is David Tubidei, and tonight I'm joined by Mr. Manzi Kajina and Isaac Chisembo as we talk about this very difficult topic on depression. Two things before we get started is that on the 26th of November 2023, which is this month, we are having Samaritan Sunday, a day when we give out used household items to the community around Chitende. And if you have any items that you'd like to give, let it be bed sheets, clothes, shirts, trousers, shoes, please let me know. Dial 0777791818 and I'll get you someone who can be able to pick them up and secondly this sunday the 12th we are having part two of this same topic same speaker isaac kisembo and the title this weekend is blame it on the brain the principle or idea here is that sometimes we can be sinful and yet blame it on things like hormonal imbalances how do we know the difference how do we know the difference is it going to be the biggest question that we have to answer this coming Sunday. But now, welcome with me, Manzi Kajina and Isaac Chisembo. You're welcome to another episode of Cabin Divos. Um, my name is Manzi Kajina and I'll be hosting the show. We are privileged to have a friend, uh, Isaac Chisembo. Yeah, so I think I'll begin with with uh, the definitions really that we, we just mm. you just mentioned there um i think it's it's becoming quite a, a big thing now depression depression uh of course in there is mental health in there are so many other things that that are happening and that are going on uh i the good thing is when i'm speaking about this i'm really focusing in on what the bible says uh, about depression it's it's easy to think of course this is a new phenomenon uh, you know just came in you know just yesterday but <clears throat> if we really just take it to to base level we are looking at what's going on in the heart or in the soul which will eventually affect our emotions so a state of being troubled, being worried, uh, being unhappy, you could put it that way, uh, misery, a set of perplexion. Uh, yeah, just, just deep within. And I think I'll be zoning in quite a bit on the Psalm 40 and 43. Um, I think the best definition comes in there if, if you have a Bible. But Psalm 42, and many people, of course, believe that this was really just one Psalm, 42 and 43, but, you know, it was sort of separated. Yeah, but um, when he begins Psalm 42, and he says, As the deer pants for the waters, for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. And he says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? And then verse 3 sort of, probably captures it. My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? But when you think about my tears have been my food day and night. So that, that state of, yeah, 
you know, tears, uh, that pain, I guess that that brings the soul into anguish. And, and in verse 5, uh, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Okay. So that state of being downcast, that state of being disturbed, uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's quite clearly here. And I think the epitome of it is really hopelessness. A sense of, uh, uh, I, I don't see tomorrow. I don't see why, not, not just I don't see tomorrow. I don't see why I should see tomorrow. You know, and of course, you can spread it out. And I'm going to get into, of course, the different levels that you'd say people say that there's a heavy depression and then there's a mild one. And then there's, you know, but it's still a set of hopelessness. You're in, you're in that state and you're just, you're just really, really downcast. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's that definition when you see it from the scriptures here sort of really captures it there. Yeah. Um. Thank you. Thank you very much, Zach. I think that's a, a good place to begin. So, yeah, what would you say are some of the symptoms um, of someone who is going through it? Or, uh, you know, coming from Uganda, Uganda being an African country, in Africa, I'd be like, I don't know, in my parents' time or in their parents' time, was there depression? Were people depressed? Like you've said, it seems to be a new thing. Even now, when you tell your parents, you'll be like, how, how can you be depressed? So, have we been suffering um, without knowing, or are some people, you know, over, uh, should I say what, over pronouncing it when it's, it's really not depression? What are some of the symptoms, some of the things that you can say, mm, check out for this, check out for this? Mm. Yeah. Um... I mean, right from here, as we can see, uh, it was already actually going way, way from the scripture. And I think I'll just share why it seems like it's out there. But yeah, this, I think we've definitely all experienced it. We have all experienced it. Uh, we have all experienced a state of, okay, what's next from here? But not just what's next. Uh, you know, ju just worry, deep, deep sadness. Uh, over different things. Of course, it could if, it could be loss, and we'll probably get into what could be the causes or what looks like the causes. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 been there. And let me let me I draw back to the fact that the, the reason, if, even if we didn't think about a particular reason, maybe someone lost something. First and foremost, sin. Okay sin in its nature has has brought that and, and even to the believer of course we still suffer with that kind of of place but sin sin originally just threw that on us and if there's no intentional living and and being becoming more like christ there's going to be a sense of of worry and anxiety and when worry and anxiety begins to build it then creates that state of a soul being cast down without joy, uh, without the experience of peace, and really a, a sense of, of, of where you feel really, really low deep down in your heart. I think it was there um, even with our parents, and that's why it's important 
for us not to be moved by the world that sometimes seems to look at it as this is a new thing and you know psychological world really seems to be uh like wow this 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 is a this is a new thing someone is depressed and so forth and so on it has always been there it's, it's been there you know since time memorials we can see we we can even look through some of the examples in the scriptures and and really see that sense i mean one of them definitely is elijah when elijah is running away from from jezebel i mean just had a wonderful experience you know with jezebel and and, and something has happened something amazing something has happened sorry before and god showed up in a mighty way in one kings you know and then 19 I mean, this guy finds himself under a tree and he's just, I'm all alone. And, and those are some of the signs, you know, a sense of no one cares, I'm just in this alone, where is everyone? Uh, and of course, you begin to cry out to God and say, you know, maybe maybe you should just take me, you know. So the... The symptoms are definitely those, the, the, the signs of wanting to withdraw, uh, wanting to, you know, look down on yourself and throw, you know, pity parties and, and really deep down, uh, really quench out everything that speaks about the gospel and the hope of the gospel. Okay, so we see we see this with Elijah and we actually see that can even begin to affect you physically even your 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 your, your body okay and most people probably lock themselves in the house um don't don't want anyone to come you know anywhere close yeah so it, it, and, and and if you really think about it um it, it's really i mean my world and my world is going dark and i don't want anyone to come in here especially one who opens the door to bring any kind of light okay so i i i don't want to see that there yeah so th those are some of the signs the withdrawal the the hopelessness the sense of god uh you know you're not there some can even deny yes that there is god or there's something like that um yeah, I think those are some of the things that, that you can consider and say. Yeah, thank you for taking us through looking at how sin, uh, the fallenness of the world brings about depression and we all can be depressed and uh, some of the triggers. Um, what are the causes of depression? So that maybe if something happens, you know that you're mm -hmm. prone to being depressed and maybe foreknowledge, uh, forewarned is forearmed or something like that. So some causes. Yeah, of course. Uh, so I already mentioned, first of all, uh, sin. Um, I think I had someone share this, that sometimes when you go to a doctor and uh, you're unwell, let's, let's talk about a physical illness, for example, and every test is done and you just can't find the cause. You can't say, you know, it's here. Uh, someone was just saying you should always be reminded that even if we didn't find a particular cause, sin is the cause of known or unknown, um, you know, illness. But let me let me not just blanket it to just sin. Okay, that that 
of course, foundationally, we can say is in there. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, some of the general causes really include, could be sickness, okay? Uh, this is physical sickness, perhaps uh, um, someone has gone through pain, maybe it's an accident that could really, you know, lead you down a, a certain path. It could be loss. Um, it could be going through a trial and, and going through different challenges. Uh, let, let me bring you to the fact that even our Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, we could say his soul was downcast because he, he gets in there and he says, you know, how about you just take this cup of suffering away from me? And, and you know, of course, the Bible says that, you know, it seemed like he there was sweat running like, like blood. So this is not... This is not while the world, the secular world, and, and, and some of psychology would like to show us that when you get this, you're sort of abnormal. But I'm, I'm just, I want to bring to your fact that this can happen to, to anyone. It can happen to you and I. It's not something that should shock you out and you feel like, okay, I need to find, I don't know what I need to find. Sin has come in. We are in a world that is full of pain um is, is is full of trial trials as well you know difficult time of trial where you feel like oh my goodness can i really go through this this is really really difficult um and of course our hearts are probably drawn more towards towards uh hopelessness especially when we are not engaging with the gospel daily Okay, and I had someone say that, that it's easy for the believer to think that the gospel is for non-believers, just non-believers, evangelism. But the guy actually said the gospel is needed more for the believer. That place of, of hope every day that, you know, you, you Christ died for you, not because of anything you did, uh, but because of his great love. But I also wanted to add one of the other one, which I find quite a bit when I do counseling, is sin. And sin, not Adam's sin. But mm -hmm. let, me, okay, let me put it this way. Unconfessed sin, especially. Mm -hmm. Okay? Uh, unconfessed sin. When, when, one, when one does something and, uh, you know, they, they, they probably decide to, to hide it and conceal it, okay? And it's concealed. And, and when, when sin is concealed that guilt and that begins to keep encroaching on you. It, it's, it's, it keeps grabbing on you there. It's a reminder, okay? And so if that goes on, it's going to begin to beef up. And as it beefs up, you begin to recognize that there's judgment upon your head. And that will definitely take you to a place of depression and a place of hopelessness. Exactly. I'll read a question here from from Lindsay in the comments. Interesting topic today. What do you have to say about Christians struggling with depression? Or in this case, mental health issues, brackets, which are sometimes hereditary, close brackets, where they now have to take on medication and therapy while also believing God for total healing. How should one approach the aspect of faith in God 
but also literally has to depend on medication. Yeah, I don't know, has, is the question clear? Would you take it from, from there or should I um, add, add something to it? Uh, okay, this is like four questions in one, but uh, yeah. let, let, let me try and, <laughs> and just try to look at it. Uh, let, let's get it clear, first of all, um, that in this, in this world, we'll have trouble. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think the Lord, the Lord clearly uh, puts that puts that well. We we will we, we'll never get to a place. I, I'm when we speak about total healing, it will not happen in this world. Mm. There's no total healing in this world. There, there's a sense of of, of feeling okay, uh, this is better, but total healing in the body and still in the presence of the flesh and sin cannot happen. But, uh, again, I want to break this down, that we, nowhere in Scripture do we see uh, depression being hereditary or mental issues. By the way, mental, mental health, mental health is 80% run by pharmaceutical companies mm. uh, because they are saying that they, the issue they have is your your mind is sick that's what they're saying yeah. however there is no gauge or parameter anywhere no one has ever measured what the mind is because they will say by this is just a new phenomenon because going back to the early church and going back to you know the 1200s 300 400 you know just just after the church any issues always came to the pastor first. Uh, it's a new phenomenon now that the psychologist came up with, the psychiatrist, that things to do with the spirit go to the pastor, things to do with the body go to the doctor, and things to do with the soul or, or the mind, we could put it that way. Let me, let me just, for now, let me put that in quotes, but let me put those together, go to the psychiatrist. The, the issue, however, is uh, no people struggle with mental health like psychiatrists and psychologists. Okay, no, no people struggle with that. Well, why am I bringing that now? No one knows the heart and the soul like the Lord. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit. Okay, the Lord knows when he calls us to love him with all our hearts, he actually knows, and our souls, he knows what's going on. He knows what's happening. So, no, no medicine. Yes, medicine might work on your emotions, but there's no, there's no cure. First of all, there's no, there's no problem with your mind. Now, I, I want to be clear that there, unless there is a doctor's report, for example, when they say someone is hyper, they are all over the place. The medicine doesn't, it doesn't cure you, okay? It'll probably just weaken you. It will play with your emotions. And where am I driving? I'm driving to the fact that we see depression happen. But when we go to, when we go to the psalm that we begin with, we can say, why, my soul, are you disturbed? 42.5, why, why, why are you downcast? Put your hope in God for I will yet praise him. What is this guy trying to show us here? 
that hope needs to be built, that, that, that the cure, the true cure, in a sense, okay, if you are to put it that way, is actually hope in the Lord. Depression is equal to hopelessness. Where do we go when we need hope? We need the one who gives hope. And the one who gives hope is way, way beyond who we are in this earth. So is someone born hopeless? Well, you could say David says I was conceived in sin. Yeah, so sin definitely brings a sense of uh, you being your own God. And then you realize it will drive you back to a hopelessness. But when we come to Christ, he leads us to look to him. And guess what? Because we all go through these seasons, the psalmist begins to speak to his soul. And he says, look, look here. Hope in God. I know this is going on. I know this is happening. But while his soul is downcast, he's saying, hope in God. Now, if I was talking to someone who is on medication, I would not tell them to, to get off their medication. That, that's not my, my role, to tell them to get off medication. My role, as they begin to get into scripture, Psalm 19, verse 7, the law of the, law is, the, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, okay? As they begin to continually open the scriptures and see the life of Christ, that hope begins to build. And, and that's what I'm saying here, that um, Christians can struggle with hopelessness because I said depression is hopelessness. They can't struggle with that. But scripture is filled with a lot about this king of hope, this king of glory. And no wonder we see from the psalmist here saying, put your hope in God. Look to him. When Jesus speaks to us in Matthew 6, do not be anxious. Okay. That, that is really trying to say that I appreciate and understand what's going on here. I know what's going on here. But you need to begin to look to God. And then where there is sin, repentance, and I think the proverb speaks about that. He who conceals his sin uh, will not prosper, but the one who confesses it will find healing. All right. So where there is sin and has brought that state, for some people, the solution really just has to be, and I've seen this, repent of your sin. Now, I know someone might feel like this, this looks, you know, quite spiritual and and you know and, and what's the practicality of it when you begin to look to the perfect law of god and begin to look at the fact that he calls you to this afterlife he reminds you that you are just strangers in this world that there is a better life after this one your soul begins to be encouraged and that's what i want to point to and i want to just say the medication that could be, again, will just simply work on your emotions. That's a topic for another day. We can get into that. But when we, what we see in scripture here is that the more we look to Christ and look into the word, we become like him. The more 
hope begins to build. And that hope is able to stand against whatever it is that will always want to quench out uh, your soul. I hope I've tried to get into a bit of that. Thank you. And you've uh, kind of moved us on to the next part. Um, as you were speaking, you reminded me of Hebrews uh, chapter... Uh, chap I'll just read it for us. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. It reads, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our foreigner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Kizadek. It's, 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 mm. it's, you know, the author is saying that Christ is our hope. Why? He has been tempted in every way, yet he's without sin. He suffered the death that we deserved, yet he was innocent. Um, he died in our place and, you know, he gave us uh, an opportunity to come to God. So mm. despite, you know, the suffering and, and, and all of this, it seems like we should... We should rejoice. We should we should have our hope set firmly mm. on Christ, and that mm. hope will be an anchor for the soul. So that the soul does not get mm. swayed here and there. Um, mm. Yeah, it is. How would you what would you say? Say more about Hebrews six. May I may I speak on uh, also what Lois is bringing up in terms of just as you get to Hebrews six that Manzi is bringing up when it comes to the medication. I'll read the comment for those of you who may not be able to see it. Medical science, she says, holds that major depress depressive disorder is real and causes are manifold. The Bible doesn't provide easy answers around this issue. Shouldn't we then be careful not to appear uh, to attribute depression to be a sin issue? And it's a very controversial area when you think about depression and medication. Uh, some of the arguments I've had, Zach, is uh, the chemical, the whole issue of chemical imbalances, and that medication mm. tries to balance the, mm. yeah, kind of uh, balance the, mm. the chemicals, and they're, they're thinking about things like hormones and stuff like that. Examples given that are mild is is for expecting mothers, uh, for example. Mm who might tend to be rude <laughs> in some cases. Mm. Um, mm. And I've, I've experienced this. I've had several friends uh, discuss this issue. And I, it's difficult to really, really point a finger to a chemical mm. that causes one to be uh, rude in this sense. Uh, when you think of mm -hmm. scripture, it is sin. It is sin. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say that all, all expecting mothers are rude. I don't know if you understand. Mm. Not otherwise, it mm. would be happening to all of them. Why does it pick and choose in that sense? And mm. if it were the case, we would, I think, have prisoners be given medicine and they are healed and come out of prisons. Mm. In, the, in that sense, mm. I don't know if you understand. Mm. I would want to find that medicine that will cause me to act in a godly way if we had it. And I think just because mm. has found some sort of pattern. Um, like a DNA sample or, or maybe pattern in that sense. We can't, we can't, it's difficult. It's, it's hard to take issues like these and attribute them to, to some sort of tablet. Um, now, mm. like you said, 
I, I loved your answer when you said that it is not your role to tell someone to get off medication. But I think when we begin to throw out the scriptures, which in, uh, I like the way you talked about the gospel, it's the power of God uh, to those who believe. It's, it's very, very clear that this, the scriptures have answers. And, um, and, and we, we are kind of, I feel like we, and, and I've had discussions with professors in this issue, and we, we tend to want to put our hands to what we see. Um, the tablet I've swallowed, I see it. <laughs> when, when someone says, hope in the Lord, I don't see it. I don't see that. Mm. And I think that's really the definition of faith. Just to encourage us uh, in, this, in this matter, allow me to read Psalm 73, please. Uh, and then I'll, I'll ask you to just contribute to uh, Hebrews 6 that Manz is talking about. Maybe I, I say this because I think when I was thinking about this topic, Psalm 73 for me became, became one that I would identify with personally. Uh, of course, going back to the causes and symptoms, I think they're different for each one of us. But I found myself thinking about the meaning of life when it comes to the things that I own. Um, if you know my background, I grew up uh, in, in compassion, lost my father at a very young age. And I've seen poverty. I've seen poverty. Mm. And I worry about my children. Um, mm. But Psalm 73 says, truly God is good to Israel to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and skip and, and, and speak with malice. Lofty, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongues strut through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and, uh, and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. The increase in riches, all in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearing some task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Truly you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream, when one awakes, lo, O oh Lord, when you arouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish uh, and, uh, and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing, and there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh, my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. But 
It says, you put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. And it's a long passage, but I believe it is, it is rich with so much hope in understanding that when we're extremely sad and uncomfortable about the things of life, um, I forget the statement you used, Zach, uh, in trying to utterly define depression. And I know you played around with a couple of words there. More like, um, there's no hope in tomorrow, or I don't want to mm. see tomorrow, something mm. like that. Or mm. I shouldn't see tomorrow. Mm. There's no tablet that is going to take you out of that. Now, if mm. one is becoming violent and they need to be constrained, <laughs> and there's a tablet that can do that so they can be able to understand and That's listen, and listen to counsel, then yeah, it's um, and that's not my 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 that's not my field, but I think mm. in understanding the scriptures there is hope, and I think it's clear we cannot mm. throw it out. We can't throw out hope mm. from God. Anyway, but yeah, please go ahead. Mm. Spot on, spot on, David. Um, I've, I've just put as uh, a guy called Lonnie Baga. Um, Daniel, sorry, it's actually called Daniel. Let me just write that. Um, he's written extensively, was a psychiatrist, um, you know, came turned into a biblical counselor, and he's written extensively about this whole field. And like you've said, it's it's a, it's an interesting one. It's a growing uh, place. There's so much that is spoken about you know but I, I i really love when we think about hope and i think that's a question the question we need to ask even whilst many people bring this depression thing and sort of blow it out of proportion in a sense that people even hide sin like someone did, did something and and they say but I'm depressed. And, and of course, even the whole mental health thing is, is going under. Uh, you know now that someone can actually kill someone now. And if they say, you know, they were mentally ill, then they, they go under, you know, they, they probably just go into an institution and so forth and so on. But when we think about depression, we really need to think about the fact that are we, are we undermining a state of hopelessness, a state of anxiety and worry? No, absolutely not. Because in we're going to have trouble in this in this life. We are going to be, we're going to go through different seasons in our lives. This is not a new thing. And I know that when we think about science and science has seemed to develop a new phenomenon. This is not a new phenomenon. We see throughout the scripture, people that dealt with this. We think about David, even when David had sinned against, you know, the Lord with Bathsheba. We see how Psalm 51 represents that, of, you know, and Psalm 32, a state of deep, 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 um, you know, depression. But the, the question really needs to be, what is the response? That should be the question. That, that, that in there is the question. What is your response when you're going through difficult times? What's your response when you lose something? Are we denying that we lose things? Are we denying we'll feel a certain way about things? No, we are not denying that. But what we are saying is, how do you respond? And the blessing that you and I have 
is that we can look to God and we can look to a hope that does not fail. One might look at the life of, of Joseph and uh, honestly, Joseph probably had every reason to be the most depressed person in the whole world, okay? But his response and how he looks at, at things, that, that, that's really, hey, look at the, the, him looking at the sovereignty of God and, and, and finally meeting his brothers. And, and, you know, many things could have happened, but he say, God had a reason and a purpose for this thing. He looked to Christ. So I think it's important, very right there, uh, David, and, and I emphasize, no medicine gives hope and no medicine revives hope in a way. Like the, 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 the medication out there does not cure whatever sense of depression. It, it, can't, it might make you feel good, you know, it might work on, on your reactions. And like I said, when I have a conversation with someone, I don't tell them, leave those, those drugs. But as people begin to engage in scripture, this is a testimony. As people begin to look to Christ, they'll actually begin to suggest for themselves and say, um, maybe I need to, and we always say, hey, first, first go back to whoever gave you this medicine, uh, talk to them, and yeah, let them, let them think about what they think about what this is, and they can let us know. But as people begin to look to that hope, they begin to see, oh, actually, this is, this is me looking out. And you recognize, actually, depression will put you in a place where you think about yourself, me, myself, and I. And that is why the encouragement, even as we begin to engage with people who are going through depression, is hey, begin to look out of yourself. Begin to look at what God is doing in other people's lives. Begin to volunteer. Begin to serve in there. And as you do, interestingly, you get to hear testimony and stories of people who are going through worse things that you're going through and they're actually making it. Is this to despise or minimize what one is going through? Absolutely not. This life is difficult. Let's get that clear. And that's not a new thing. But, but the... What psychiatry has done, secular psychiatry has done, is to say that if you feel terrible about things, then you're sick. And that's wrong. That's not right. You're not sick. That is what life is. Life is tough. Life is difficult. That is what happens. You know, it happens. It happens to all of us. All right. That's what life is. But as we begin to look then that despite what's going on around us, we can actually look to God. He gives us that hope as Hebrews has said, yeah, we can hold onto it. And one of the things that definitely must come along with that is fellowship and community and accountability. That is very, very important as you go through uh, this journey. So my, my mind really goes to response. How do you respond to the things that come at you. Are, are we being mechanical and robotic about it and saying, hey, you guys think this is just... No, we are actually saying that if you do look to Christ and look into the perfect law of the Lord, little by little, as we trust the word, as we trust, for example, Corinthians that says, no temptation has seized you except that which is common to man, you know, but God is faithful. As we begin to believe in that, that begins to leave us off because there is no tablet that does work to your soul, in quotes, 
it's not there. It's not there. So and there has to be a report then, and that's what we always encourage, that there should be a clear health report that, okay, what is the cause of this? And you actually find that when you begin to talk to people, you begin to discover things that maybe there are things that, not because of, we, we can't say that, that that's primarily the cause, but maybe there was a loss, there was a disappointment, there is sin in there. And the more you begin to engage them and say, let's just come to God and repent and begin to look towards him. Honestly, I can testify to a lot of testimony that has come out of that. Wow, wow, wow. Ah, thank you, Zach. That's uh, deep. You've reminded me of uh, two things I'll speak about. One thing is uh, research that came out a while back. Another one is a Bible portion. Um, there's research that I read about um, scientists who had looked and searched and failed to find the gay gene. The, the people are saying that you know, some people are predisposed to be gay or you are born gay or what, but scientists after researching discovered that there's no such thing as, you know, a gay gene. Like people actually choose to be this or that based on, on nature. Still, researchers try to find out, uh, you know, what, what is this thing we call race? Is there such a thing as this race and that race? And still from tests and uh, research, they found out that... Um, you cannot say that there are different races because to say there are different races is to have different creation accounts. So for us who, you know, follow the Bible, know that there's only one human race, different ethnic groups, but we all are descendants of Adam and Eve. So when we look to scripture, when we look at God who created us, he tells us about us better than what scientists can, can get at. So scientists will... And now I think even in the West, it's it's become too much. If someone is a, a bit sad, then they're prescribed medication. If someone feels like, oh, I'm a boy inside, I feel like I'm a girl, you know, you carry out a sex change uh, uh, surgery. And yet, everything we need is in Scripture. Um, I'm reminded still of uh, uh, another portion here in Second Corinthians, which says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. So when we think about the experiences we have and see that life is hard, how we respond and the perspective, you spoke about perspective, how we see things. I have, <laughs> I have a friend, uh, you guys know Rev uh, Raymond Bukenya. He had a terrible accident. His wife died in the same year. He lost his arm. He was in ICU. But when you look at him, you're like, how can you be smiling? Things look like mm. they're going badly for you. But it's actually where your hope is that will determine how you live your life. If your hope is in Christ, even when you get to the point of, of Job, you will, like David say, I will yet again trust in the Lord. So as we come to an end, Zach, give us some responses. How do we help a friend who is feeling depressed? Um, how do we, what are some of the things that we can, we can do? Okay, personally for ourselves, how do we help ourselves? But also, how do we help a friend going through depression? Yeah, I think first of all, if it's a friend, 
we need to be compassionate. And I know it might appear, even in the conversation, that we are throwing this out in a sense of um, it's sin, okay? And let's be clear. When I say it's sin, I, there's this original sin which affects everything, all right? I, I just need to be clear with that. And that's where someone might even say that we all have the potential of depression, like because of that scene, like meaning uh, for one to sort of be zoned out as you are depressed and you're sick, uh, you're sort of abnormal. But I actually just want to say that we, we all go through struggles and difficulty and pain, all right? We can get into, you know, how you handle it and so forth, but it's important. So it's not to minimize. And so compassion is important. And even in, in, in having conversations with people, I, 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 I can't just come out and say this is the cause, okay, that, that you're doing this. So I need to listen. You need to listen. You need to make time for that, for that person. Gentleman called me some years back and says, "Hey, I want to kill myself." And I said, "What's going on?" And and you know, if you if you went to to an institution, they are going to say that is mental health, that is mental illness. Uh, but actually, when we go deep deep in and as we got in there, had conversation, you know, there was a realization. Now this was action scene had happened, and he felt really really out there. So I think definitely listening because. As we have said, there are other causes, life, loss, pain, disease, uh, you know, and so forth and so on. So it's important to listen, to have compassion, to make time, to keep checking in, uh, to be patient. When you say, hey, I'm coming to check on you, the person may not even like it, but say, I'm coming in. And then in there, of course, pray with them. Uh, don't don't just dispense the word towards them, but pray with them, encourage them, and then you know little by little say, hey, why don't we just go in for a meeting somewhere, you know, for fellowship? You don't have to say anything. You don't have to to you know feel anything about it. Let's let's just go in little by little. I think what I'm saying is you need to make time for these people. Uh, you need to make time, okay. To engage and this goes for me or for you as well that when you're in a state of uh, depression and a loss of, of hope uh, the psalmist here says hope in the Lord put your hope in the Lord look to God uh, take time to pray uh, but also you know get a phone call and call someone I'm here let me just say guys break this whole thing that the world has sort of put in that Depression is, is something. That's where I agree. You know, like it's, it's something that, oh my goodness, we see despairing of souls in the scripture everywhere, every time. Even Peter himself, when he left the Lord, was completely downcast. And he actually went back to doing his own thing. And God comes to the Christ, comes to him and says, hey, boss. Uh, you know, can you get back to the work? So for you, depression is going to turn you out not to serve anyone, to look to just yourself, but fight and be intentional to stay in fellowship. Don't isolate 
yourself. If it is sin, James will say, hey, find some people. Confess your sins one to another that you will find healing. Yeah, that's what I can say. Wow, wow, wow. Hey. Yeah, the topic is uh, quite deep and heavy and uh, our time is fast spent. But thank you very much, Zach. Um, we'll stop here for now. Um, I'll say a prayer for us and then I'll dispense us off. But thank you very much for sharing with us. I think um, if there's anything that I've learned is that we should, we should check on, on one another. Call people. <laughs> there was a funny story. I think it was a meme that came out the other day saying that um, by uh, 2050, there will be 50 million people who are mad in Uganda, something like that. And someone had written and said, uh, we still have time. <laughs> so in Uganda, the state that we are in, of course, life is difficult. Things look like they are hard. So some people just say to laugh about things. But let's check on one another. Call people. Um, don't isolate yourself. Remain in community. I think the reason why in the West it's, it's, it's a bit more than it is here is the breakdown of social structures and the, <clears throat> the increase of individualism. When you are alone uh, and things are difficult, you, you, you may opt to, uh, to suicide or whatever. But if you're here, a problem shared is a problem half solved. So open lines of communications, uh, keep up with your friends, keep up with fellowship, keep up with studying the word. The entrance of God's word brings love that light that helps you to come out of that darkness. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and time. Um, we thank you that you can lead us, you can help us to study your word, uh, to learn from one another. Um, Lord, we know in part, we know in part, we prophesy in part, but you know in full and you have loved us and you have helped us continue to open our eyes to behold wondrous things from your Lord. Grant us a good week ahead. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Manzi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Daudi. I want to say that there's a possibility of part two. There's very unresolved issues. So many unresolved issues. But the other yeah. question for a listener here who might want to get a hold of Zach. How do we do that? I know that uh, Zach is back on the show. But Zach, how can we get a hold of you? Maybe you can leave for us a text uh, uh, of how we could either find you um, if someone needs help to understand these things uh, much much better or if they need counseling um, yeah. to come out of a state that has been difficult there is a email address k-i-z-a-k-777 at gmail.com give Zach an email and uh, maybe he can be able to help one way or another hope to see you soon thanks so much yeah, if, you, if you can't get through email then that person can reach out to us with his number. Awesome.